Welcome to this episode of Courier Conversations. Now here's your hosts, Jeff Robinson and Todd Deaton. Welcome to the September edition of the Career Conversations. I'm Jeff Robinson, I'm president and editor-in-chief of the Baptist Career and Publishing Company. And uh, it's my pleasure and my privilege to have yet another friend with us today uh, on this thing. This is getting to be a habit. I realize that, but that's okay. Uh, I'm new, so I'm in the honeymoon phase. But today I have uh, a, a fellow historian and a friend I've known for a long, long time. And uh, he teaches uh, about Baptists in South Carolina regularly. Uh, he is Peter Beck, Dr. Peter Beck, uh, serves as local, uh, as lead pastor, rather, of Doorway Baptist Church in North Charleston, and is associate professor of Christian studies at Charleston Southern University. And that's been true of you, Peter, now for um, 13 or 14 years. Tell me how long. It's been a long time. No, 15 and a half, January of 2008. That's incredible. Peter and I were at Southern Seminary for many years together, served on staff up there, and uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Peter's a, a veteran of the United States Army, was an old ranger, and of course, I love that, being the son of an old ranger. Uh, I, uh, Peter, we had many, I got him to tell me many, many stories, and he had many to tell, and maybe we'll do another episode just about that someday, because I can assure you that will entertain our people, <laughs> our, our listeners out there would uh, thoroughly enjoy that. But uh, Peter, it's good to have you. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Excellent. Appreciate the opportunity. Well, uh, this uh, this month that we did our first themed edition of the Courier, which has got a bit of a new direction uh, for us. We're going to do this regularly, and the uh, the topic this month was one that's near and dear to my heart, also to yours, which is why you're uh, on the uh, Courier Conversations uh, this uh, this episode, and that's confessions and confessionalism. Uh, you and I have had many, many talks about this over the years. We both pastored churches that were confessional churches, and I know uh, you teaching uh, church history, among other things, at Charleston Southern University and Baptist history, that you talk about this regularly. So uh, you, let's, let's start with your church. Uh, you've, been, uh, you've been at um, Doorway Baptist Church. How many years have you been lead pastor? Is 15 years or it's a little less? No, than it's been coming up officially on 11 years next month. But it's already been 11 years because I went initially as the interim pastor, and then they offered me the opportunity to stay before they got to know me very well. <laughs> well, that's 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 a that was a good move. That was savvy on your part. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely true. Well, let's talk about what does your church have a confession of faith? I mean, was it how old is it? Was it planted by the Charleston Association? We'll get into that in just in a minute as to why that's important. But tell me about yeah. that. Um, Doorway has been around since I think we're coming up on our 78th anniversary this month. So post-war, right off the old Navy base here in North Charleston. So enjoyed the boom years of the you know million more in 54 and such. Traditionally has been and still is a BFNM kind of church. Most recently updated to the 2000 BFNM not long after my arrival. Now, have you have you talked through? I know in Louisville you pastored in Louisville as well, uh, and uh, I know at different times you talked through the confession of faith up there. I think maybe I preached a couple of times for you and 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 uh, helped out with that a little bit. Uh, have you done that uh, at Doorway? Have you taught, done some kind of teaching on that, or made them kind of aware of what they believe We've confessionally? Done a little bit, not as a concerted like sermon series or Sunday night Bible study. But for example, I've taught a 10-week series on Baptist history, which you can't avoid confessionalism doing that. And then also I've done periodically a, a topical sermon series I return to 
kind of why I'm a Baptist. And so we've looked at, you know, what do Baptists believe about the ordinances? What do Baptists believe about religious liberty and so forth? And so while I've not done the BF&M item by item like I've done in the past, we do keep coming back to it. Because as I remind my congregation often, as well as my students, I'm a Baptist for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, do you think, now again, you've been in the pastoral ministry for a long time as well as an, 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 a Christian educator, but do you think the the average Southern Baptist, if, if I say we're confessional Christians, we're a confessional denomination, a confessional church, do you think they know what that means? Uh, I'm afraid not. And, uh, you know, use the case of point, my church is, we're weird, so we accept that we're weird and we do things, you know, different along these lines. But talking to, you know, 18-year-old, 19-year-olds who come, many of them from South Carolina Baptist churches, not all of them, but many of them, you know, have you ever read your church's confession of faith? No. You know, you've just joined a church here in Charleston while you're a student. Did you read that confession of faith? No. So not only do they not even know what they believe necessarily, they don't know what their churches believe. They don't even know that they should look at the church's confession of faith before they join. And so we have, you know, this is a discipleship issue as much as anything that we, you know, we have raised now maybe generations of Baptists who are Baptists by location rather than, if you will, Baptists by vocation, by choice or calling. Have you seen, I know you, you and I have been part of a, you know, I guess kind of resurgence, I guess you would call it, of, of, uh, of, of uh, teaching and preaching theology in the local church. And of course, that's what a confession of faith is. It's a, you know, a, a set of doctrines that are, that, that form the key uh, core, uh, the core teaching of the Christian faith. I mean, do you see that uh, among, when, among the students you teach? Do you see uh, a, a greater awareness and a desire for uh, confessionalism and the, the issues that would pertain to it in a church? Ah, oh, man. I wish I could say I see that universally. I, what I can say is the ones I see who are excited or who get it very much so. And the others who don't, you know, you can explain the value to them all day, but until they have their own theological conundrum, they can't resolve. Theology to them is kind of in the background issue. You know, we used to talk a lot about Annie Graham Lotz's book, Don't Give Me Theology, Just Give Me Jesus. Now, what Ms. Graham meant is not what the label is kind of stuck to her so much, but I'm afraid we've got a lot of young and upcoming Christians who are passionate about being and doing Christian, but still don't really seem to have a lot of passion about why I'm a Christian or why I'm this type of Christian. It's just, I happen to go to a Baptist church while I'm here. If I move, maybe I'll go to a Pentecostal church or an Assemblies of God church. That so much of those decisions are driven by music choices, by the way the worship service is structured, more so than the theology of the particular church in question. Well, let's talk a little, a little bit. You're at Charleston Southern, and I would argue that that really is the epicenter, or historically the epicenter for Baptists in the South and Southern Baptists. And of course, those aren't exactly the same things; they're similar. Uh, why? And I've said that uh, when I took when I took the position was hired was elected the position here. Uh, that's one of the things I said. And when I met with the trustees for the first time, is it's such a privilege to be in a state that I would argue is the most important state in Southern Baptist history. I believe that. What do you think about that? Do you, does that hold water uh, in, in light of the Confession of Faith and all the things that Charleston and other other places oh, bring to our history? Absolutely. I mean, you've got the to you borrow from Bill Brackney's old book. 
there is this genetic connection to Charleston, you know, how many congregations directly to plug into or grow out of First Baptist Charleston downtown, you know, yeah. tons and tons and tons and tons and tons. Then, of course, the influence even up to the modern era with their current pastor, who's been very influential in the SBC, you know, Marshall Blaylock in the last five or six years. And yeah. so you've got those kind of genetic connections. And then just merely the fact that, you know, out of First Baptist were a number of major players in Baptist life who, interestingly enough, contrary to 2023, where everybody from the North seems to be moving to Charleston, you know, <laughs> yeah. 200 years ago, many it's Charlestonites terrible. moved North and took their view of Baptist life with them, whether Oliver Hart, you know, to Philadelphia, Samuel Stillman to Boston. And so there's a lot of, you know, secondary connections where folks from Charleston took the gospel with them outward into the upstate, into the, you know, the, into the PD, into the, you know, the Lake country here in South Carolina and so forth. So, yeah, I think, the connection there is huge and is oftentimes underappreciated. Want to hear more encouraging and inspiring stories about South Carolina Baptists? The Courier Magazine is the best source. Individual subscribers may receive the Courier Magazine for $21 per year, which includes free access to our e-edition, or receive the e-edition of the Courier Magazine for $12. To subscribe, call 888 667 4693 or visit our website at baptistcourier.com Yeah, and do you think that one thing that I want to see South Carolina Baptists um, engage is their confessional heritage and you wrote about that, a really fine article in the uh, the magazine this month in fact you've got two really well done articles I think that are foundational for understanding uh, the the heritage that's, uh, that Baptists in South Carolina have confessionally. Um, talk a little bit about that first uh, that first confession of faith and how important that was in those early days uh, in, in helping form Baptist beliefs in the South and Baptist theology in the South. As I said in the article, you know, as you look back at history, you look at the folks coming down from Kittery, Maine, who, you know, today we use the word plant, the, the first Baptist church in the South, downtown Charleston, down in the, you know, in the church district, basically, for those who have not been to Charleston, all the historical churches are within a few blocks of each other. The Baptists were treated like second-class citizens. Their, their their church enters from another street. You know, their connection to Church Street, or Meeting Street, as it's called, is a driveway. That was their connection. That's all they were given. But, you know, they sent out planters once they got here into the various areas. But when they first got here, there were no other Baptists. So all the Baptists who were already here, found a home. In very short order, you know, they just started discovering, disguiding, deciding, discussing, whatever. You know, we don't agree on everything. And while today, I think sometimes we have a kinder, softer, gentler view, you know, heaven forbid we disagree on things like theology. I think the early church here in Charleston saw that as actually a healthy thing, that, yeah, we disagree. I wish we all did agree, but we disagree on something pretty significant. And so when Charleston Baptist wrote their first confession of faith, those who would be of a different view on the doctrine of salvation said, you know what? We don't belong here. And rather than seeing that as a negative, I almost see it as the same way a positive when Paul and Barnabas split ways in the book of Acts. You know, it's unfortunate it came to that kind of debate and division over John Mark. But the net result was you ended up with two missionary teams. 
And, you know, the hope is that when the general Baptist split from the particular Baptist here in Charleston, both denominations took off, both continue to flourish. And then the fact that the Charleston folks were, in one sense, much more evangelistic. You know, they were much more into proselytizing and developing not only new believers, their role in the Second Great Awakening is profound 100 years later. Charleston helped sow the seeds across the South for a particular brand or view of Baptist life that ultimately even spilled over, as you know, into Georgia. I mean, how many of the famous Georgia Baptists that you've studied, Mel and some of those, Mercer, are Charlestonites, even if they never actually lived in Charleston. You know, they're the byproduct of that school of thought, if you will. That's and true. all that goes back to that original confession of faith. Yeah, I mean, I see the confessional heritage when I look out my window here at the Baptist Courier. Uh, my office sits at the uh, the corner of, of Manley and Pettigrew Streets in a historic district. And, you know, almost every other street up here is Williams Drive or Broadus Avenue. And so, you know, you think about their role in the first confession of faith among, written among Southern Baptists, the Abstract of Principles uh, at Southern Seminary, where you and I were privileged to study. And, uh, you know, you can't help but think you can't help but think about that if you if that's your background. And And one thing when we when we decided, when I decided, I guess this is my decision, uh, as, as president and editor, uh, uh, honestly, uh, to do our first uh, issue on confessionalism, I can hear legitimately people say, well, that's not very practical. Why, why do you want to do something that's so headsy like that? Why don't, you, uh, why don't you dedicate an issue to something that's more practical? But I would argue that studying doctrine is infinitely practical, and confessions of faith are, you know, are summaries of doctrine. What do you what do you think about that? Do you agree that I mean that this matter confessionalism is a very practical matter? Oh, absolutely. My students, as well as my church, have heard you know what they laughingly call Doctor Beck's mantra, and that is orthodoxy produces orthopraxy. That right thinking produces right actions. It doesn't go the other way. It never goes the other way. Everything you do is the result of what you believe. You don't touch this because you believe it'll hurt you. You don't turn left, you turn right because you believe going right is the right direction. And so as believers, you know, we've been given this great body of faith, the great tradition, the faith once for all handed down the saints, and in the case of Baptists, a very distinct tradition within that broader picture. What we do as Baptists is because we're Baptists, right? We don't have missionaries and we don't pay or contribute money to the cooperative program simply because that's what we've always done. That's what everybody says. But why do we do that? And as we do in a particular way, because we're Baptists, not vice versa. You know, it is our beliefs that drive our actions or should, not the opposite. And so theology is eminently practical. You know, if I believe X, what does that look like when I go to the grocery store? If I believe X, does that change or impact how I interact with my folks at church during a business meeting, right? You're, you're old enough to remember, you know, experiencing God, the first edition back in the 90s. You know, Brother Henry, you know, talks about when he was a pastor there in Canada, you know, he set out an extra chair at every business meeting to remind people, we believe Jesus is here. And that changes how we do our business meeting. And so, yeah, everything you believe has practical value. And hopefully what you're doing is a reflection of what you say or claim you believe. 
That's right. Well, just in wrapping up here, our, our, our brief time together, let's say, you know, you've been at this a long time. You've been a pastor for a long time. We've, we've both been past, pastor churches that we sought to drive in a confessional direction. You've taught the classroom and taught confessionalism. I've done the same. Um, how would you, you get a young pastor. He's just starting out in the ministry. Maybe, you know, he's just taking his first pastor and he tells you, Dr. Beck, I've taken over this church. They've got their their confession of faith is uh, you know it's a, it's um, abstract of principles. It's the uh, New Hampshire Confession. It's the BFM two thousand. I really want to establish an awareness of and a love for the the, the doctrines and a desire to live out these doctrines contained here in my church. How where should I start? What should I do to facilitate that uh, as a new as a young pastor? I think with, and you know this from experience as well, and a lot of your listeners do, you know, this is a multifaceted or to borrow language down here from the port city, this is an intermodal question. It's not a thing I do, it's multiple things. You know, if your church still has a newsletter, like Doorway, we do. Every month I write a newsletter article. I, I address this question periodically in the news article. Or like one year, I did a different article every month for our church's covenant. And so I explained one article one month, explained the next article and so forth, turned that into a book that we give to all new members. Here's what we at this church do as members. So I think that's part of it. I think if your church is still, you know, we'll call it old school enough to have Sunday night services. Mm -hmm. Here's your opportunity to teach, not just preach and walk them through. You could also, and I did this at my second church there in Louisville, and I've done it in a slightly different way here in Charleston. You can also preach the coming out. You know, I'm an expositional preacher. I'm not going to stand up here and read you a confession article and then, you know, fly off the handle and make up a bunch of stuff to support it. But for example, a couple of years ago, I did a sermon series, 11 or 12 weeks long, where we did the Apostles' Creed. You know, so you want to talk about confessionalism, right. let's back up a couple hundred extra oh, yeah. years. Yeah. And every week we read the confession or the creed as part of our corporate worship. And then each week I exposited what the doctrine was in that statement. By taking the people to a biblical passage that underlied that particular theological idea. So I believe in one holy Catholic church. You know, first of all, you laugh and go, okay, we're not Roman Catholic. But then I would take them and show them in the Bible from a passage. For example, I might preach a paragraph from the book of Acts about what do we as this church believe is the nature of the church universal. And so a young pastor could do the same thing with his church's confession of faith. We believe that God's word is infallible and inerrant, et cetera. All right, show me in the Bible, pastor, why I believe that. And that could become a short sermon series. You know, the nature of scripture, and then obviously 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. You could take him to Malachi 3, 6, I, the Lord your God, don't change. You know, you could take him to Jude. You know, this is the faith once for all handed down to the saints and so forth. And so let a confessional statement guide your topic week to week. And then for the sake of your people, show them in the Bible why that's what that church believes. Absolutely. Well, I pray that uh, your, your, your tribe will increase so those, as those who seek to be faithful in preaching the word and preaching doctrine. Uh, and preaching the doctrine is practical, that, that what, one, what you believe is, uh, determines how you live. So, uh, Peter, we appreciate your time. Uh, one thing I didn't say about Peter is Peter's the author of several books. He's written uh, one or two books on Jonathan Edwards. That is one of his areas of, of expertise. He's, he's an Edwards scholar, and so you can find those in your finer bookstores on Amazon for sure. But uh, 
that's when you're finding bookstores these days, probably is Amazon, right? That's where we all go. But uh, sadly, sad but true. So be sure and, and don't miss that. Uh, well, Peter, uh, thanks for your time. And uh, we will definitely uh, revisit uh, different topics in church history over time. As you know, this is kind of an area we both love. And so we'll look forward to having you back on here again. And we'll have you in the pages of the career. We I know I've gotten good feedback on your articles already. And uh, I know our readers appreciate uh, your work uh, in writing. And also, of course, your students appreciate your work down there. So thanks a lot for sharing some of that uh, for a very short time with us this afternoon. Excellent. Thank you very much, Jeff. We're glad you joined us for Courier Conversations where we are informing and inspiring South Carolina Baptists and beyond. For more information about these topics and more, subscribe to our e-edition or go to our website at baptistcourier.com. The Courier is located in Greenville, South Carolina as a multimedia ministry partner of the South Carolina Baptist Convention. To comment about today's podcast, email us at conversations at baptistcourier.com. This podcast produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions.